conversations to give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you living your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again, as if we never left, it's the Black Psychologist Podcast, also known as the eighth wonder of the world. Appreciate everyone being here with us today. You could be anywhere else, but you're here tuning into us, and we're grateful for that. I am one half from the humble and gracious host, Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I, and I am him. You're moderator extraordinaire. And of course, most of you all know I'm never here by myself. I'm here with the legendary. This guy works so hard that he needs a long vacation, private plane, pick a location. He's going to the bank to make a big donation. The one and only Dr. Jason Coleman. What's going on, good brother? What's going on, bro? That's a, yo, man. That's a that's a hell of an introduction. You know, I ain't, I ain't had one like that in a minute, man. I I appreciate you, bro. Hey, man, you, we, you deserve it. You deserve it. You know what I mean? Listen, what's going hard, on? Hardest working man out here. Maybe working working even double time. Well, how's the week going, bro? It's going cool, man. I'm I'm trying to manage these allergies, bro. Like, listen, these allergies are, are killing me right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. And not had to be like the, the guy with the sniffles and be sounding like a, a young snot nosed punk kid out here nah. throughout this 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 um this episode. I'm gonna try to keep it together, but I just took an allegra like a little while ago. But these allergies have been whoo rough. What's up with you? I'm chilling, enjoying the playoffs, uh, watching the Knicks, you know, the Lakers. You know, we, we've been talking a little bit about it. Um, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is on the Jets. Listen, you know, my brother, is, uh, my brother is over the moon about that. My brother is like the only Jets fan in the tri-state area outside of <laughs> North Jersey. I don't know how that came to be, but shout out to my brother. He is the only Jets fan, especially in Philadelphia. So like he he's over the moon about this right now. No, he's in for a good season, bro. You know? Yeah. We got the uh, Devils and the Rangers in the playoffs. There's a lot going on. Up there, bro. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm loving them. I think uh, who plays tonight? And not tonight, but just the whole series. I mean, overall, has been the uh, the Golden State and uh, Sacramento. That thing. That's been a good one too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, no. So I've been, yeah, getting in some self care. Absolutely, watching these playoffs. Have you know they've been going along? Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't want to also thank the fans and thank our subscribers. Thank everybody for watching and tuning in and listening on whatever. Um, you know, digital platform, whether it be iTunes, I mean, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, um, Spotify, all of them. We really appreciate everybody tuning in, YouTube, you know, leaving comments. Appreciate the love. Just continue to like, subscribe, share. We're loving it. Definitely, man. Um, definitely thankful for the support. You know, I saw somebody out the other day that was asking me about uh, the podcast. Um, you know, kind of giving us some compliments on it. So, you know, I uh, always appreciate, humbled by the support, anybody that takes the time to listen. So, thanks. Absolutely. We can't also forget 
to prioritize your mental health and shop at mentalhealthclothing.com. Listen, all right, it's getting it's getting hot out there. You need to not only have your mind right, but you need to have your clothing and outfits right. And I'm living proof of that right now. You see the fit, all right? Oh, man, got I'm looking fresh good in on. it. You too could look good and prioritize your mental health clothing apparel, all right? None other by my man, Dr. J. Go ahead and order it. You can look as good as Dr. Kyle right here, right <laughs> now. You see what I mean? And if you order right now, okay, Dr. J will actually deliver it to your house personally, and you can go to lunch with him. There it is. Well, that ain't going to happen, now. but I do appreciate the support. <laughs> ShopMentalHealthClothing.com. And, you know, before we get into the articles, we also want to tell you to kind of visit and support Cam's Closet. Give them the Instagram page and the, and the Facebook page. Absolutely. Cammy's Closet with a K, K A M I S, closet.org is uh, my nonprofit that we uh, that put together. It's doing good, man. I'm close to 500 clothing items, essential brand new clothing items that we've been able to give to the um, a couple of different uh, homeless organizations that we have here in Philly. So we're very excited about it. It's continuing. A couple of people have been reaching out to myself and my partner about um, us just being able to provide clothing to some of their clients. So, um, yeah, it's lovely. So absolutely, please donate $5, $10, $20, whatever your heart's desire, whatever you're able to. It goes strictly to clothing the homeless, providing them with brand new free essential clothing items. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah, man. I see you doing your thing, you know. Everybody visit the Instagram page. You guys yes, got some good footage up, you know, of different places dropping off, cracking those boxes. Um, yeah, man, you putting boots on the ground, making a difference, man. That man, that's that. Speaking of which, all right. Speaking of being on the ground, we just talked about it's the spring season, Jay. So uh, it's getting warm outside. So you're going to see a lot, a lot of people out and about, you know, eating. Doing a lot of different things, going to restaurants. It's uh, it's almost like COVID never happened. That's the way it feels like, right? So the restrictions have been, you know, lifted. People are out, and the one thing we have to be careful about, though, is tip inflation and tip creep. All right, so tipping. All right, when you go to your restaurants, you go to other different avenues of sales. Tipping is encountering its own form of inflation. So you guys got to be really careful out there. So with consumers are commonly facing digital kiosks that are asking for tips that start out at 18% or 20% and can go as high as 30%, which is a far cry from the 15% that used to be traditional. So when we're talking about like tip inflation or tip creep, that's when tipping spreads to the more types of workers and it creates uh, tip fatigue. So What's taking place is that when someone experiences tip fatigue, it means that the customers are leaving interactions that involve tipping with negative feelings. And at worst, the tip fatigue could cause customers to tip less or stop tipping altogether. All right. So tipping has been spreading to different occupations um, that earn the regular minimum wage or even above. So you have like your baristas, your drivers, like, your, you know, your Uber drivers and things of that nature or, or Lyft. And so it raises the question whether consumers should feel obligated to add a tip of 20 percent or more when they're, you know, checking the digital kiosk. Like when they, you know, when they turn a little swivel around where you're at the restaurant, mm-hmm. you're picking up your food. Um, 
So it's a tricky issue, right? When inflation weary patrons may not feel like adding a tip, but, you know, they're just maybe picking up a cup, cup of coffee or, you know, you might feel some shame if like you don't request or I mean like you don't tip. So it kind of leaves the customer in an uneasy kind of or vulnerable situation. Now, usually typically it's mostly restaurants and waitresses, right, that are paid less than minimum wage. So the tips for them are critical. So we get that part. But again, it's jumped to a lot of other different areas or avenues of of the different area of full service situations. So uh, a poll recently came out or some research was tips at full service restaurants jumped to 25.3% in the third quarter of 2022, uh, while gratuities at the counter service restaurants rose 16.7% compared to the same time it was in 2021. And so research says or shows the more you ask for, the more you're going to get. So that's why the options are now starting at 18% now to generate more revenue. So, Jay, um, for me, I was always raised, um, especially with, uh, you're talking about like restaurants, right? You tip heavily at restaurants because that's where the host or the waitress or waiter or whoever, that's where they make their money, right? They're getting paid less than minimum wage. I mean, less than minimum wage. So that's where they make their money, make their money off of tips. So, you know, I know my aunt, she's talked about when she worked her years as a a waitress, my daughter, she's been working different kind of waitress related jobs, you know, through school so far. So, yeah, like it's um, of course you you tip appropriately and then some uh, in that environment. But I have noticed, though, I have noticed that, like, you're starting off at 20 percent. Like when you go to the kiosk or they ask you to sign things like Mm -hmm. 20 percent, 25, 30 percent. I'm like, when did this start happening? So uh, I have to admit, it does kind of put you in a, you know, at a kind of an uneasy position. Sometimes, you know, you're thinking like, all right, well, do I tip? Do I not tip? And so I can understand where, again, this tip inflation has kind of cre- created this tip fatigue tip situation. So what's your what's your experience been? Well, I mean, I grew to a restaurant. You know what I mean? Um, I grew to a restaurant, but I look I look at it a little different, right? I look at tipping as, first of all, I mean, I, I tip, right? I'm not petty, but I look at it as expected, but it's optional, right? Because yeah. some people, I mean, let's just be honest, like, we got to recognize kind of the hypocrisy that's here because it ain't no Applebee's in the world or no diner in the world that's going to tell you if your food is $10 and you don't have 15 to leave a tip, don't come in, right? So, but I think, you know, when you consider everybody as a whole, you know, you have older people that probably tip $5 everywhere they go. You probably got younger kids that don't tip anything. And then you probably have people who are working people, maybe some people that are generous, and it maybe balances all out, right? Um, so I get that. But I do think that we can't lose the fact that, especially with like waitressing and stuff like that, you are still tipping for service. You know what I mean? Um, because there's no way in hell that if somebody ignores me, if somebody's rude to me, you know, if, if, I have a horrible experience that I'm going to feel bound to tip 20%. Mm-hmm. 
There's no way. You know, it's no way. You know what I'm saying? Like now, that may be 2% of my experiences. You know what I mean? But I'm going to always reserve that, right? Because, again, it's expected in my world. We're tipping, right? Not optional, it's expected. But I'm always tipping for service. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, now, what I'm conflicted about is, you know, the um, counter service, you know, the kiosk. Right. And I'm talking about post-pandemic, right? During the pandemic, we tipped everywhere, you know, everything. You know what I mean? Uh, whether you sat down or not, you know, of course, delivery, all of that. But counter service, especially when I order myself through a kiosk or right. things like that, you know, it's, it gets a little crazy. You know what I mean? Even when somebody's taking my order. Um, like, Because I think they do that in um, Panera, right? Yeah. In Panera, they'll, they'll take your order and then have room for a tip. And again, I think, you know, that could be a little bit pressuring for some people because they may feel, say, if you're running a Panera and you get lunch, you know, you only got $80. You get a muffin, a tea, it comes up to $7.45. Some, some days are like that. Sometimes yeah. you're getting paid the next day. Like, let's not play these games. Like, like we can't be in a position where you run into, you know what I mean, one of these quick spots, right? Like um, Smash Burger or something like that. And we're expected to sit now all the time. I, that seems crazy to me, if we're being honest. Because at the end of the day, they may not call Panera fast food, but it's fast food, bro. It may be healthy fast food, but it's fast food. So, again, I'm telling you this from a standpoint of a person that I usually throw them a couple of dollars. You know what I mean? But if I don't have it, you know, why should I be made to feel that pressure in that situation? And and that's where I feel like for me, I kind of have to maybe draw a line in the sand, especially where you're talking about like the app. Right. And maybe it's a little different where because I was going to ask you if you tip like yourself for pickup order, because it's different where pre pandemic. You would call like, okay, if the person picks up the phone, they took your order, they run it back to, you know, um, they run it back to the the kitchen after the food's made, they put it in the container or whatever the situation is. All right. So you see effort, you see some, but with the app, a lot of times it's going straight back to the kitchen. So it's like, well, what, what am I tipping? Like, and who's the tip going towards? Like, so that's always been my question. Like you say, I'm running in, I put it all through the app. The app is going straight to the person, to the kitchen. They do whatever. So what are the, like you said, I'm just running in there to pick it up. What am well, what exactly am see, I tipping? I've, I've had this conversation with some people and then what they're going to say is like, say you go in a Applebee's. I don't go to Applebee's, but say you go to Applebee's, but let's say somewhere I go. Say you go to, um, I like Red Lobster. So you won't go to Red Lobster. They got good business. Okay, right? baller. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what um that's on a pay week, right? You know what I mean? So let's say I'm in Red Lobster. I'm getting them week. nice biscuits. Yeah, you know I mean, right. A second <laughs> order of biscuits. But I, some people say you pay for them to like put your to-go order together. Trouble, yeah. Now, listen, during the pandemic, I'm tipping 30% for that, right? Because we right. all chipping in, right? We try to keep the place open. People working. Yeah. Now, you kind of you struggle as to whether you should tip at all because it's like I'm coming to get the food. At some point, like 
Are we tipping people for taking it out the pan and putting it on the plate? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's it is different. And I and I feel like a lot of restaurants are still trying to hold on to that, <laughs> that sentiment of the COVID because we everybody was doing their part, right? It was happening. You saw it in social media, you saw it on TV. Keep right. restaurants afloat, tip heavy because the people aren't there or they're not, you're not able to eat inside. So I think a lot of people had that going in. But I do have to say, and this is this is my uh my conspiracy thought process kind of kicking in brain where I think some restaurants are taking advantage of that. And that's why like you're, you're keeping like, all right, folks are tipping at like 25, 30% just to pick up because it's, Oh, keep the restaurants open. Well, that's not exactly the case anymore. And I've also noticed that conveniently, even when you dine in, there are some places that conveniently misplaced or have relocated where the gratuity is included. Because that's another thing. Some restaurants sure. get a little, you know, they get a little shifty with that, where as far as it's sometimes it's not, it's like the gratuity is already included, but they don't, it's not very overt, right? It's not oh. a situation where they say, because sometimes it's built into already your meal, even if it's like only two people. Like a lot, a lot of times it's like it's built in a large party, but there are some places that even if it's like two or three people, the tip or the gratuity is already in there and then they'll still ask for another one. So it's almost like you're tipping twice. I, I I get it, and I and that and you sometimes you gotta read you gotta read your bill. Absolutely. And I I'll give you one better. I'm not gonna call them out by name, but it's a spot in Philly, right? In in the supermarket, you know how it's the setup is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they have a buffet, right? It's a banging buffet. Wegmans? You talking about Wegmans? Nah, nah, nah. It's in Fresh Grocer, right? Oh, Fresh. Okay, yeah, your Fresh Grocer has stepped theirs up. Got the Soul. Yeah, the Soul joint. All right, cool. You got the Soul buffet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we know where that's at. But right. the reason why I'm bringing it up is because, bro, bro, you can walk in there, pick up your own container. I put my own food in there. I close the container. I put it on the on the uh, weighted and everything. Right. I got my I got my money out. All of it. Right. It gets rung up. 10, 10, 20, 25. For the person that's sitting there in a the chair. Taking my money. Absolutely. That's when it gets out of control, right? Absolutely. I not. packaged up my own food and got it myself. Did you still want to tip? Nah, not not today. Not not today. Can't do it. Yeah, so that that's what I mean. Like I feel like that you have to, we as a consumer, you got to draw the line, whether it goes to you're reading the receipt. Or you're reading the bill more carefully to make sure they haven't just kind of slid it in there or right. a situation where they're asking for it. And I think they just got more comfortable um, just asking for it. Because like I said, the research says the more you ask, the more you're going to get. So if you place it on there, you might have some people that are just overly zealous as far as tipping that are going to do it. Then let me ask you another question. All right. When you get gas, do you tip? And, and, and to preface this, this is for those of us that either work or live in Jersey. Like, do you do you tip the, the the gas person that pumps your joint? What? No. That's what do you mean? That's their job, bro. I, I, listen, are listen. You, that a serious question. That's a serious question. There are some people that do. Listen, I 
I'm not one of them. I don't know. Listen, maybe I'm not in areas one where it's customary, you know? Um, I put it like this. I know people, like, back in the day, my pops used to go to the same gas station every day. He used to go to the same Exxon. He knew the dude. Right. So once a year, he would give him probably like, like, $50 on yeah, like, like Like the mailman, like a mailman tip. But right. that's, you know, that's different. You know what I mean? Like, and, and if we're being honest, that's only customary in certain places. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, 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 there's other things that go along with that. That's only customary in certain places. So I don't know. Um, I, but I like don't. I said, when it yeah. comes to waitresses, yeah, tip yeah. them all day. Um, heavy, but a lot of these other things, it's a little out of control. Yeah, no, you're there. Uh, this tip inflation, uh, I am not going to be a victim of it. All right. And you're not going to be. All the, you're not bullying me into tipping additionally or higher because of, you know, COVID, coming COVID. Like that, during that particular time period, absolutely. It was tipping heavy to keep places in business, keep folks working. I get that part because everybody had bills to pay, especially those that were working in that industry were heavily affected. But yeah, it's a little different now. I will tip appropriately and I'm not going to be tipping you if I'm the one that did the majority of the work or I just came to pick up something and then i'm rolling back out so yeah not today you know so but we'll see we'll see how it continues to roll through all right so speaking of the food and beverage industry all right jay bud light all right bud light has been in the news recently so bud light is currently facing a boycott after partnering uh, partnering with transgender influencer and activist Dylan Mulvaney. And I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. All right. So a couple of weeks ago, um, Dylan posted a video to her 1.7 million Instagram followers in which she explained that Bud Light had sent her a personalized can with her face on it to commemorate 365 days of being a girl. So uh, on Dylan's day 365 of girlhood video series that she's been sharing throughout the year um, has been like a viral success and it has charted her her first year of transitioning. However, after she posted um, the Bud Light can and that, you know, she was in this partnership with them, um, that partnership drew a lot of condemnation. All right from different people, from social media users, from uh, politicians, celebrities, the whole nine, right? So all of this backlash prompted uh, calls for a boycott from all these individuals that were um, upset. And it led to like these extreme reactions um, and stupid videos being posted by like the one from Kid Rock who, you know, had like uh, this little Ryan or his uh, little, he stacked up a whole bunch of Bud Light cans and got his ARs and, and, and shot them and whatever. You have people dumping cans in the street and running them over, all kinds of just dumbass stuff, right? Uh, you even have politicians, not to be outdone, they got involved in it. Like you had certain GOP politicians who would go to like different rallies in these conservative states and they were, you know, make sure that they said they were refused to drink the beer brand and, um, tweeting different, never drink it again. And all kinds of, you have bar owners and restaurant owners that were saying that they noticed that the people drinking it was, it was starting like fights or arguments within the restaurants, the whole nine. So Anheuser-Busch, uh, Bud Light's parent company, uh, made a response to the backlash and they put out this, this quote 
or this uh, their statement was it's uh, we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. We're in the business of bringing people together over a beer. And then they released like this advert infused, like patriot, patriotic like image. And is um, they're saying that the beer is is rooted in America, which is like they're they're trying to perceive or attempt it, that it's uh, what's in the ideals of the company's traditional, um, just trying to kind of move their, themselves away from it. So Jay, listen, man. I, I the first couple of points that that um that, that that stood out for me was this, right? The first one is that Bud Light has been a partner of the LGBTQ community and Glad for Pride Month for like the past five or six years, maybe even longer than that, right? Right. So and so have like every other like virtually. Every other beer company, every other major beer company has been in partnership with Pride and they have like multiple programs that support the LGBTQ community. Um, So. All of this uproar about, oh, you know, down with the beer, don't drink in under this boycott it like this has been going on for years. Like they've been in partnership with the company for years with Glad, with the LGBTQ, like all, all of this stuff. It's just now it's more overt in a sense of they, you know, gave something to to Dylan. Right. So like this has been going on. So my whole thing is really good luck if you really are boycotting Bud Light. Like good luck actually finding another company um, that doesn't what's the name. But for me, this just personifies like how bigotry, heterosexism, transphobia is based in ignorance um and being uninformed because you've been drinking this beer for such a long period of time you didn't know anything until dylan said something on her on her ig so this is what i'm again right i i I agree with what you said right but i have a couple questions not like for you in particular but just for us to kind of talk about right first of all of course the, the boycott is ridiculous right only because it's like one of these things you know that people kind of cling to um, as like a cultural symbol of nothing. You understand what I'm saying? But like a whole bunch of different things, like overalls and guns and all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But, and I, and there was a reason why I sent you that video because it was just, it was just crazy. But I don't know if you saw the update to what's going on now with this. Um, the bottom line is in, right? So all of these business and finance uh, websites are talking about how the sales plunged 17% compared to this same time period last year, right? And to take it further than that, the two company executives that were involved with this campaign have been placed on leave. Yep, right? got them right out of there. So I just wonder how this is going to affect all those other companies that you're talking about, right? Because um, the other thing they were talking about is that they were talking about like cores. And their sales increased by 16% during that same time, right? So that bottom line is core is going to be more or less likely to do that, that same, you know, pride kind of, um, you know, like joint venture next year or whatever. That'll be interesting to see Um, because the bottom line is the bottom line, you know, and with these companies. um, And listen, I know what you're talking about. I, I don't know if that who that senator was. Um, I don't know what her last. I, I think I don't want to guess her last name, but 
she was having like her event and she was on the microphone like, yeah, well, when I see it in a box or something, she's like, yeah, all the beer was sold out and gone. You're except for the Bud Light. Nobody would drink. It. You know what I'm saying? And she's on Fox News saying that or CNN, you know, everybody picks that up. And it's like all of a sudden you're going to have copycats across the country. 17 percent dip, mm-hmm. bro. That That's like you lose your job over that. Yeah, no, they do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I just wonder, of course, it's ridiculous. I mean, because if you look at it, I thought when this first happened, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered either way to me. But I thought that they had her face on like cans and people were reacting to seeing her face on the can. And then I realized they sent her two cans. Right. It was it was just yeah, the only cans that had her face on it were hers. The ones that she got. Right. That was it. And so that was the thing. It just ignited. It just ignited a fire. Um, Again, this is why bigotry and any type of phobia is rooted in being uninformed and ignorance for the reason that one, they were only mailed to her. So it wasn't like when you went to a beer distributor, there was a whole bunch of them with with her face on it. And two, again, folks are going to be going to cores because I guess it's the only other alternative, right? The other, other major alternative um, as opposed to Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch has a whole bunch of other different, it's like Coca-Cola, right? So you know how Coca-Cola has Coca-Cola and also has Pepsi. So Anheuser has a whole bunch of other different beers outside of Bud Light. So that's why I think they had to go to Coors. But here's the thing. Coors also, I guarantee you, just like the rest of them, have been having these different partnerships with that community. They just haven't done it outwardly. Like 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 we've seen the past couple of years um, that they had the Pride Burger last year. Remember we talked about that? So Burger King yeah. program, but now it's like, okay, well, they're trying, you, you're starting to see a lot of different companies be more kind of outspoken with it and they're trying it. So the same way I, I saw ice cream around Pride Month last year, right? Like Yo, I saw, like I saw pride, types of pride that stuff. Pride Burger was terrible. It was pride. terrible. It was epic. Yo. But see, that, but, but that's what a lot of companies are doing. So if right. you look at it, this is very revealing what Bud Light did because they talked about it prior that they were already decreasing in sales and they were trying to like expand. So right. this was like literally like them dipping their toe in the water by partnering with her because she's a figure, right? She, she's very popular. She has a social media following. So this was literally them just kind of dipping their like toe in the water, like, oh, let's see how it goes. And it, it was a, a big mishap or a backfire, like you said, financially. Now imagine if they actually would have did an ad with her, right? Imagine if they would have put her like in a television ad or they actually would have had the cans with her name on for like mass consumption. Bro, like this showed that the, the U.S. culture is not ready for that in the beer market. I mean, That's why exactly. you saw that 17%. I, I'm going to just tell you, do we really have to sit here and think about how the rest of those companies are going to respond? 17% decline in sales. These are not people... I mean, listen, it's good to talk about diversity and all that when it makes money for them. But diversity is something for most of these companies is on a brochure, you know, in human resources. The bottom line comes first. And, yo, if they lost 17%, they're going to probably be very skeptical before they do these, you know, collaborations. My my question is, if, if if people are reacting... It's crazy. 
right? What do you think is going to happen when they finally put, and I'm joking a little bit, but when they finally put Harriet Tubman on that 20, you think people, you think these people are going to burn up their money? Listen, they're going to be coming to out. They're going to be using every other 10s, and 50s and debit cards and all kinds yeah. of other different things. It's that, gonna that's be what it is. Like, yo, we're not going to use 20s no more. Yeah, we're not using 20s anymore. This it's is where I'm telling you, this is, if anything, Anheuser-Busch fell on this sword. They took a leap because I think one of the um, one of the people who was put on leave was a female, right? Mm-hmm. And so, again, it was like we're they're trying to expand into a different market, right? Because they already have the traditional market, the 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 people, the beer drinkers, the patriotic, all that other stuff. But they're like, oh, let's expand. And it was a it was an epic fail, like you said, financial wise, because they saw this adverse reaction. And so the rest of the companies, I guarantee you, are gonna, they're gonna stay where they are. They're gonna keep their partnerships um very covert. They're going to keep it very on, on the hush. Like, oh, yeah, we have these partnerships, but we're not going to talk about them because we saw what Anheuser did. And right. they're just going to be they're going to be quiet. They're not going to say anything. They're just going to reap the benefit that they're getting an inflation in their sales um, because you saw what they had to put out a statement. Like they literally left Dylan out there because she's been getting death threats. She's been getting all different types like she hasn't posted. I don't think since this came out. And oh, really? so, yeah, she hasn't posted. She was at an event. Um, I was I was reading some more articles. She was at an event and they asked her about it. And she was just like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just kind of laying low right now um, because of everything. And they literally left her out there to win. It was like, oh, yeah, well, we're rooted in America. We never intended to be something that defies people. We just going to bring people over the beer. Right. We just want to bring people over together over a beer. And they just literally left it up because think about it. Like if we really frame it, you have people. These these are pretty much either bigots and all kinds of other different people that are announcing loudly that they don't like your beer because we don't like who what your beer was attached to, right? right? One person. So as opposed to them stepping up and saying, okay, well, well then our beer isn't for you. Like our beer isn't for people that hate other people. Well, like it's the bottom line. They're gonna be like, Oh, we lost 17%. Let's just try to pivot back to where the American way, traditional beer, blah, 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 blah. We need to get yo. our Back. But, but bro, that's a very important point that you bring up, right? It's a very important point, and we all need to think about this, right? Because it's a slippery slope, right? Because who knows who's who's the next group of people or thing that Kid Rock decides he don't like that they're affiliated with? It opens up the door. You it know, absolutely so. opens up the door. Like, if you have, again, another... This conservative group of people, and they say they don't like whatever other marginalized population, it's going to be, oh, well, we boycott this, such and such. Like I said, it comes down to the dollar. And I mean, this is very revealing, if anything else, about where Budweiser or Bud Light, where they stand. It's like, okay, we got, we're losing money. Ah, yeah, this was an epic fail. Get the two people who the idea of this was to branch out to this community. We got to revert back to just kind of keep these partnerships on the DL. We're not doing anything. We tried it. Epic fail. Not doing it. And it's it's really unfortunate. I feel bad for Dylan in this whole situation because I don't, again, I don't know how the, the partnership came about, but it's unfortunate that she's getting this backlash. Um, and it's just like they literally put it out there and say, oh, nope, nope, not going to do it. We lost, buddy. Nah. <laughs> no, we're traditional. And yeah, it's just, listen, I'm, I'm, 
bewildered to the point that I know how much these beer cases cost, and you had people just out here just destroying them. I mean, maybe I'm not built like that. Like, I don't know about you. <laughs> listen, I'm not throwing away no good beer. Nah, man. Like, listen, I'm, I'm just not gonna drink it. But we're not gonna be out here. I don't, here it. I don't drink Bud Light, but I'm not do I? But yeah, I, yeah, that's that, maybe that's a different, uh, different, different pay scale there. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what that is. All right, so staying somewhere within the realm. All right, Jay. A recent article and report came out that Gen Z women, and for Gen Z, that's 1997 to 2012. All right, they are identifying at as bisexual at unprecedented numbers. But the question is, are they just following a trend? So over the course of the past decade, the percentage of all Americans that identify as LGBTQ has doubled to 7.2%. But bisexuality or bisexual identity has exploded. Just 6.9% of millennials, that's 1981 to 1996, that's us, yeah, boy. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> as by, so it was just 6.9% for, for millennials um, that identified as bisexual compared to 13.1% for Gen Z, meaning that Gen Z women are now by far the most openly bisexual po- uh, part of the population. Now, Gen Z is the first cohort to come of age since gay marriage was legalized. And they share um percentage that Americans who agreed that homosexuality should be accepted by society have jumped from 51% to 72% since 2002. Now, one theory is that social media could be a motivating factor. So you've had headlines like on TikTok where it's like headlines that uh, say like TikTok made me gay. Uh, TikTok's algorithm knew my sexuality better than I did. And TikTok's algorithm knew I was bi before I did. And I'm not the only one. Blah, 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 blah. Have all fueled speculation that suggestible young people who may never have really questioned their sexuality before could be led down these online rabbit holes and that there are all these on uh, these TikTok hashtags Hashtag um, or hashtag bisexual has 20.9 billion views. All right. So, Jay, what do you think um, is contributing to this huge, I don't want to call it a trend, but it, this huge, sure. you know, Changes, explosion regarding the percentage of numbers? Um, well, first of all, you know, we just I obviously want to say that we're looking at data. So we're looking at polls, not necessarily research uh, right. studies. Um, and, you know, as a, people can take it for whatever they want, obviously there's factors that go into like telephone surveys and things like that, but we got to deal with kind of the numbers we have. But my humble opinion is that um, I wouldn't necessarily say social media, right? Because I think there's a negative connotation with social media sometimes that social media like influences people like, in a hypnotic type of way. Yeah. But I would say um, that technology has contributed. And what I mean by that is, it's 2023. So I think technology has contributed to people being in general more comfortable, like expressing their identity and just how they identify, right? And exploring their own identity, all aspects of it, including their sexuality more publicly, right? Mm. Um, and we got to remember, right? Like, so 
we see these increases in the people that are identifying as LGBTQ, you know, and it may kind of look like, um, well, not even look like, you know, obviously the numbers of people who are identifying are, are trending up. But I think you also see that in terms of that technology effect in other areas, right? Because you're also going to see more people identifying readily, publicly, you know, um, and talking about different subjects, like mental health, different things, right? Um, 20 years ago, students wouldn't tell you a mental health diagnosis, right? Um, it's not the numbers of people I don't think have necessarily all changed, but I think people's level of comfort, uh, kind of a reduction in, you know, um, feeling stigmatized for certain things. And if you do want to talk about social media, I think one of the things that has contributed to us seeing a lot of people, you know, publicly identify in certain ways is like social media, like brings you kind of together, right? So it allows you to, for lack of a better term, find your tribe, right? So, I, so you don't, you can literally go on social media and social media has made a big world that has been isolated for very years, for a lot of years. It, it, it can bring people very close to you, right? Um, so finding support, you know, um, is not as difficult anymore. So I think those things contribute. But what, what do you think? I'm going to tease out something you just said and kind of expand on it. Um, you mentioned people telling right and so that's the aspect i for me i think is contributing to such the, the larger number that we're seeing because we're looking at it just from a number standpoint if we're talking about polls then we're talking about people self-reporting right and i feel like because people are more comfortable people are more are more likely to self-report maybe how they really feel. So maybe years ago, prior to the legalization of, of gay marriage and prior to um, the destigmatization and people being as comfortable, you might've pulled those same people and they would have said no, just because right. of it was very, it was taboo. Um, even though people say like things are confidential, it's still like, you're not comfortable with yourself. You're not, you're not sure how, if this is going to get out. All these other different reasons that we know just as clinicians, people don't self-report. Honestly, I think now, now that we're in this area where people are more comfortable, more expressive, owning their sexuality, people are more likely to be honest. And so that also contributes to the number. So if that same individual, or maybe you had a group of people or a generation that was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming out yet. I'm not comfortable coming out even on a survey or on a poll, the numbers are going to be low. Now you have individuals way more comfortable. Um, the social media aspect absolutely is, it's been helpful in normalizing that there's a huge spectrum. Right. It's not just like a box that people are in. So even with the LGBTQ plus, that's why it's called plus. There are so many different there's, this whole, there's a, a huge spectrum. So now you have people have the space to not only feel comfortable and saying, well, this is where I'm at. I'm not just in this box. But like you mentioned, also now you have support. Now you don't feel alone. Now the destigmatization has been it's been, you know, it, it, it's growing, which is good because individuals are going to feel more comfortable about wherever they, they view their sexuality. So people are going to report, they're going to be more open. So I feel like that's also contributed to um, some of these polls and you're seeing like such a huge number. Cause in some of these cases, the numbers are doubling, right? You're talking about 
7.2 to now you're at like 13.1. It's almost it almost doubled in, in percentages. So um, it allows for more options. And so now you're allowing more people, more young people, especially to come out, be comfortable or not, you know, participating in um, social anonymous, you know, types of groups and situations. So like there it's um, it's absolutely continuing. But just from a number standpoint, I think people are being more honest on the polls. And then again, like, and I, again, I'm just talking about my personal opinion in terms of things that I see. I think, because we're talking about women, right? Females, right? Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And I think you're going to, you, I think you get that prominent number also because of the influence of culture, right? Sure. I don't know what I don't know the extent of the influence, but when I talk about culture, I'm talking about like music, celebrities, movies, music videos, romanticizing, you know, certain relationships over others. Yeah. Right. So it's not a far stretch to think that a young man, right, that's struggling with bisexuality at 18, 19, you know, would look out into this his world and his surroundings. Right. And feel less supported than a young female might. Right. If she looks out at her surroundings, what she's listening to, what she's seeing, celebrity, you know, that young male might see less. You know what I mean? Um, images and people that that, you know, remind him of himself, you know, and that whether consciously or unconsciously, you know, may cause that person to kind of not embrace who they are publicly. You know, um, factor could be no, true. Speaking of embracement, so I thought this was interesting. Also included in the article is that you have individuals or the the, the LGBTQ community that is they've raised their suspicions about this trend, right? So they've had their suspicion that kids want to be something other than straight have kind of gotten under their skin a little bit at during at the LGBT. Um, Q plus community. So there have been some of them that have been saying like, there's just a trend of straight girls and straight women basically being like, oh man, oh men suck and girls are pretty. I wish I was bisexual. Right. Um, that's what one queer Gen Z YouTuber said in a video entitled, I want to be TikTok bisexuals need to stop. She's dated. You're straight. You're just wishing you were part of the club. Like, shut up. She added, as someone who is in the club, that is so annoying and you should not be using your straight voice to drown out queer people. So you have the community, the LGBT, the LGBTQ plus community who are protective, right? Where they're getting some backlash and they're trying to be, they're suspicious that people because of social media, because of trends that come and go and, and so on and so forth, that they feel that some of them are just kind of getting on the bandwagon. And I thought that was very interesting. Right. Like I thought that, you know, if you know, this is something that all this community has worked hard for. Right. They've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations, especially the older, um, you know, the older individuals in a population who have went through hell and are still going through things that, um, yeah, they feel protective. They're skeptical of people all of a sudden just kind of coming out due to these different hashtags and trends that are coming out. So I thought that was an interesting factor. I mean, I'm not surprised, though, because, listen. Anybody, it, it, whether we're talking about like sexuality, race, ethnicity, religious orientation, anybody is going to feel ins- insulted 
if they feel like another person is hijacking that yeah. as a trend. You know what I mean? Um, and for all of those things that I mentioned, they're posers. There are people that that's just a trend. You know, um, you can call it, I can't even call it experimentation, but again, you're going to have people, you know, um, who are going to take great offense to that. No, I mean, understandably so. Again, it's it has been a, a very long, difficult road uh, for this community and um, totally valid if you feel like other individuals are jumping into it for the wrong reasons or they're just kind of doing it just for the views, right? To be popular, to yeah. kind of fit in. And it's a total slap in the face to individuals that have really lost... Um, a lot of people they've lost like it, it's it's been a very difficult road for them to say the least um so yeah it's very interesting uh we'll see how the numbers continue to you know each year kind of what the uh, what the results are so something to continue to monitor all yeah. right it's baseball season now right. we're, we're, we're two or three weeks into it and let's, let's go yankees yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't co-sign that. I'm, you know, you know how we Phillies do. Come on, bro. You know, what I mean, no, we, man, I'm, we, I'm just in the Mets, y'all. We were just in the World Series just now. You know what time it is? Yo, you want to yeah. go there? Yeah. 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 Yo, All right. Listen, so one Good team luck. that, <laughs> what one team that we we both definitely can agree that we don't like are the Dodgers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh. Former outfielder Andrew Told recently re-signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. However, what sets this situation apart is that he won't be paid by the team, but he will be considered a member of the organization. Um, this is the fifth straight year that the Dodgers have re-signed Tolls, so the now 30-year-old could uh so he can retain his health insurance. So to give me some backstory about this, uh during the 2019 season. A story had surfaced that tolls uh, would not be uh, reporting to spring training. I mean, spring training due to that. He was dealing with some personal issues. The following year, he was arrested and charged with trespassing and he was found homeless sleeping behind a FedEx building uh, at Key West International Airport. He was taken to a mental health facility after the incident and he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. The, uh, the Dodgers have signed tolls to a contract every year since 2019 just to guarantee him his health insurance. Andrew was released to um, his father's care following the arrest and the evaluation. And his father stated that, you know, we're having challenges, but it's nothing that God and I can't handle. Uh, schizophrenia is just so tough. Um, I mean, I, he can't even watch TV. He hears voices and the TV at the same time. So it's kind of confusing. So. Um, this is, uh, this is, this is a great story. This is, this is a real amazing story. Um, while, you know, told, of course, is not receiving a salary. The health insurance can go a long way while his family is ensuring that he gets the care that he needs. I mean, for those people, those that don't know, um, mental health overall, but especially specific disorders within mental health, um, are very costly, like schizophrenia is very is a very costly illness to address and for maintenance, right? So when you take into consideration, you're including medication, you're including individual and group therapy, uh, possible hospitalizations, 
um, as well as this population is at high risk for medical conditions, including heart disease, liver disease, uh, diabetes. That's at a cost of like 92000 per patient per year, right? That's how expensive it can be um, for this medical condition. And um, this is, I, I mean, this really warmed my heart when I, when I saw this. Um, unfortunately, persistent mental illness and homelessness are unfortunately have become intertwined. So like 20% of people experiencing homelessness also have a serious mental health condition. That's a very high number. That is. Uh, a lot of times we tend to see um, the homeless population battling um, their mental health symptoms. Like when you tend to see people on the street and you see them acting bizarre, you see them yelling, screaming, other different things. That's untreated mental health, right? That's what that is. And for them to, you know, take the initiative and continue to support this player so he's able to get uh, the care. Like this is, this is, um, this is beautiful. This this was really I was really happy that we we came across this article and that this information, the situation for Mr. Tolls. Um yeah, this is this is um this is great. I'm I'm really happy that they're they're taking their um you know, stepping up and doing it for one of their players. This is amazing. Well, I mean, when I um when I read about this article, I started thinking about other like just mental health and sports in general. Mm-hmm. Um and just how you know, a lot of times, again, you know, it's a it's a very humbling thing, right? Because when you see, a lot of times when you see an athlete, most of the time they're in their uniform, you know, they're usually physically fit, all of those things, right? Um, but we've also seen the other side of it, right? Because obviously he's a baseball player struggling with mental illness. We've seen what Delonte West has gone through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you see the deterioration physically and mentally kind of of the person um so again listen the dodgers are a billion dollar organization you know this is a drop in the bucket for them um but it's not something that they have to do you know um and it's something that you kind of rarely see from organizations Uh, they kind of reminded me of the gesture that the Bengals kind of made years ago when they had the guy it's a little different different situation His, his daughter had cancer Right, I remember that. They kept signing them, yeah, um, so that she could get the treatment, right? Um, And again, I'm I doubt that they thought, you know, that this was going to, you know, end up in the news and stuff like that. As as you said earlier, they've been doing it for four years, Um, so it was just a good story. Um, And I think it's one of these things that highlights mental health in sports. Um, And you know, again, it's 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 humbling because you got to realize especially with severe and persistent mental illness, like nothing insulates you, (laughs) you know, not money, not success, not achievements. Um, But it seems like, you know, he he may be kind of headed towards the right trajectory because he does have the family support um, and he does have the insurance. So hopefully he'll get good treatment. Yeah. And this is something I think, I hope it sparks um, a larger conversation for the reason that it highlights a lot of different areas. It talks about homelessness and the mental um, mental illness right. community. It talks about, really, if you look at it, how young he is. He's 30 years old. And so I don't think a lot of people realize that this, you know, these illnesses strike 
very young. Like the onset for schizophrenia alone is what it's in his late teens to early 30s. But he's oh, right there. Right. Look so at, he's look at him studying, man. Studying hey, hard. man, listen, 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 brother. We clinicians of the year, look brother. Look how we move. You want to give us some more facts about schizophrenia? <laughs> hey, hey, listen, man. Don't threaten me with a good time. Come on, man. Talk, talk to us about this neurotransmitter. Yeah, you know how you know how we roll, brother. But like <laughs> this is he's right there, right? They said this took place 2019, and it started out, like you mentioned, not only does it affect you physically, but then it starts to affect you as far as like your, your social and economic status, right? It starts to affect your job, it starts to affect other different areas of your life. Um, and I, hopefully this highlights like to have this more of a conversation you hope of course that other organizations follow suit but no this is this is real right you saw someone that was doing well from you know the the late 2000s in the late teens and then this is where he's at a few years later like he was only and the thing is he was only playing for the dodgers from uh for like three years prior to this taking place right right so it's also looking at it okay what contributed this right like one year again he's playing in the playoffs and then the next offseason he's not showing up for spring training so you can see how quickly things can deteriorate right because playoff baseball is september october spring training is february march so you can see how quickly things could absolutely change when your mental health starts to deteriorate um so this is this is great. I'm I'm happy that this did get highlighted. It, it is starting to you know pick up a lot of momentum, and a lot more um, news carriers and providers are are taking this up because a lot of times professional sports gets viewed as ruthless, selfish, capitalism related businesses, and to some extent, you know that's there's some truth to it. <laughs> but every so often, you know, you have an organization that demonstrates, you know, redeeming qualities of the human race. And, you know, this is one of them because the Dodgers, like you mentioned, don't have to do this. They're not obligated to do this, but um, this is absolutely one of those feel good stories. Um, and um, this is, this is great. So more, more power to the Dodgers. So maybe they, maybe they deserve, they deserve a, a couple wins or now, you know, not against the Phillies, but, a win or two is good. You know what I mean? Jay, anything, <laughs> anything else before we get out of here? Um, of course, we want to thank everybody who takes the time to listen. Um, make sure that you, you know, check out shop mentalhealthclothing.com. There it is, right here. Throw them a couple of dollars, you know. Yeah. Um, other than that, again, we humble by the support, you know. Appreciate everybody who takes the time to listen and we're going to keep the content coming. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to echo everything that Jay mentioned. Cammy's Closet, shopmentalhealth.closing.com. And we just continue to, we are grateful of, for the love that you guys have been supporting, that you guys have been bestowing upon us. We're not able to do this without you guys continuing to view, continuing to listen. So we're going to keep this edutainment coming. So. There you go, man. That's what I we like. That there you go. You're gonna get t shirts made on that. Yeah, I'm gonna copyright that. That's mine. Yeah, you, you better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good brother. You enjoy the rest of these 12, bro. All right, bro. Later, All right. man.